So I'm a movie guy. I love, love, love movies. And, uh, you know, sometimes people ask you, what's the best movie ever? What do you think is the best movie ever? And that's tough. I mean, you got a lot of great movies out there. You got all the Lord of the Rings stuff and all that. But I would have to land on The Dark Knight. I would say that is probably my favorite. I think that's the best. The acting, the writing, all that stuff, just so good. Uh, I wonder where you guys would land. Um, You know, some of you guys might say, I'm really into the Star Wars thing. We got the whole Star Wars thing happening right now. Uh, The latest movie I thought was awesome, really good. Uh, some of us older folk in the room, you might go a little more old school and be like, about The Godfather. I mean, those were some like legit uh, movies in their time. Just some amazing stuff still stands up today. Uh, some of you guys might be all about the animated stuff. You guys are like in uh, Despicable Me or Frozen or one of these kinds of movies. But I know most of you would hold out for the modern masterpiece that is Sharknado. So <laughs> I, I have no doubt a bunch of you guys are in on that one. Thankfully, I missed that one. So... <laughs> But, you know, it's funny, as I'm asked that question about movies, it's always a little difficult. And I think the same is true about the Bible. When someone's like, yo, what's your favorite Bible verse? Or what's your favorite book of the Bible? Your favorite chapter? Or whatever it might be. And it's always hard to answer that question. But my personal favorite is what we've been looking at these last two weeks. I think it's the best chapter ever is Romans chapter 8. And so we've been looking at Romans chapter 8 for a few weeks now. And in the first week, we saw that Jesus frees us from condemnation and empowers us to live. That we don't have to beat ourselves up about mistakes we've made, and God certainly isn't beating you up tonight. I just hope you know that. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you came in the church tonight thinking, man, I don't know if I should go to church. I just feel like God's just going to pound me, man. I think he's just going to let me have it. I just want you to know that all the judgment that God took out his wrath on Jesus, his son on the cross in your place. And so, no, God's not out to get you tonight. He loves you incredibly and wants to empower you to live. And then last week, we, we just started to talk about a strategy for overcoming sin. And we, we just talked about how important what we think about is, how important our mindset is, and that when we think about godly things, we live in godly ways. And so tonight, I want to continue to talk about how to overcome some sin in our lives, how to overcome some of the struggles in our lives. And as I said last week, anytime I talk about sin, I'm not trying to come down on you. God's not trying to come down on you. He has something that he wants for us. He wants us to live in freedom. He knows that sin leads to places that ultimately we don't really want to go. And so he has uh, the heart of a father for us, and he's just trying to free us from those areas we get ourselves in. So uh, anything I say tonight, I'm not coming down on you. I love you guys enough, and and I know that I need to hear everything I'm going to say tonight as well. And so as we look here, what we're going to see is Paul's going to tell us some really important things about our identity. He's going to tell us some really important things about what we believe about ourselves. Because the truth is that what we believe about ourselves drives how we live, right? Isn't that true? What you believe about yourself drives how you live. I'll give you an example of how we know this is true. Uh, American Idol, America's Got Talent. Here are a bunch of people who believe they are very talented singers. It drives how they live. It makes them willing to stand before three, three or four very talented musicians on public TV and pretty much humiliate themselves, right? Now, some of the people who believe that they're really good at it are really good at it, right? They believe that they're talented singers, and they are, and they get on stage, and they kill it, right? But then there are those people that believe they're really talented, and they get on stage, and they kill us, right? They are not talented. They believe something about themselves that's not true, and that belief that they are so good and so talented drives them to do pretty insane things. Like I said, you know, some of these people travel halfway across the country to go just to show how bad they are at what they think they're great at, you know? And so, of course, Simon Cowell has to use some of his classic lines, like, you sound like a cat stuck in a vacuum cleaner, or uh, you sounded like you were going into labor there at the end, you know? And some of, some of those wonderful insults that only he can get away with. And so what we believe about ourselves drives how we live. 
And as Christians, a lot of us in the room believe something about ourselves that drives us down a kind of dangerous road. And I don't know that this is one of those things we would say out loud, but what a lot of us believe the scenario looks like in our battle against sin is this. We think that it's sin and us over here versus God, okay? I remember years ago, I heard Andy Stanley make that statement, that we believe in this battle against sin, it's sin and us versus God. So we have ourselves teamed up with sin. You know what I mean? Like, if it's, if it's in this battle, we're kind of over there viewing God, and God's over here saying, I love you, I want you to walk in freedom, I don't want you to keep giving in to those sin struggles, I don't want you to keep going down those same roads, I have better for you, and here we are over here, and it's us in anger, it's us in greed, it's us in lust, it's us in porn, and we're all teamed up, and we're looking back at God, and we're going, I know, I kind of wish I could get out of this, but I'm kind of tight with sin, or lust, or anger, or whatever it might be over here, and we identify ourselves as being on the same team as the sin, as opposed to the same team as God. And so it's sin and us versus God. It's sin and us doing things our way versus God, and he's over there doing things his way, and we kind of wish we could do things his way, but sometimes we're glad we don't, and yet when we go down those roads, we always end up in regret. And so it's sin and us versus God. The problem with that is the more that we believe that that's true, the more that we believe it's sin and us versus God, the more we're gonna yield to sin. Because we're saying, hey, I'm on the same team. We're buddies, me and sin, right? And we're going through life together. And, and even if I wanted to get out of this, I think a lot of us believe, I just can't. Sin's controlling me. I've just been in it too long. And it just sort of owns me. And so God, yeah, it's attractive to come over there and, and try to kind of join your team and say, yeah, you know, I want to get off sin's team. But uh, it just seems like I've been doing it too long. And it seems like I'm just stuck. It seems like it kind of owns me and it controls me. And as long as we believe that lie, then we're going to continue to really struggle with sin. Now, here's the truth. We're always going to struggle with sin to a degree. Jesus was the only perfect person that ever lived. And so you and I are going to struggle, but we should see growth. We should see that more and more we're becoming more like Jesus, and he's changing us. But as long as you and I believe it's sin in us versus God, as long as we kind of believe this thing that's not true about us, then sin's going to have a lot of power in our lives. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I just want to tell you something really good news. Um, everything I'm going to say today applies to you. Everything I'm going to say today, if you were to apply to your life, could make the same difference it'll make in my life if I apply it. And I just encourage you, I know you might say, well, I don't know about all this church stuff and whatever. And I, here's what I know is true about you, because it's true about every person in this room. None of us want to be mastered by anything, right? None of us want to be controlled by anything. And none of us want to feel like we're owned by anything. And so maybe today you'll find how to take some steps out of some of the struggles in your life along with the rest of us. And so we're going to look what Paul has to say about this today because he says some really powerful things in Romans chapter 8 in these next few verses. And I hope you guys have been working on memorizing Romans 8. Remember, I encourage you guys in week one to start this. And last week it was easy. It was just verses 5 and 6. This week we got 7 through 13. You can do it. You can do it. So many of you guys, man, you know song lyrics. You could rattle off any song lyric. My daughter, who's, who's nine, has like every Wayfair commercial memorized on TV. She knows every word of every song. Comes on, she says, Wayfair, just what I need. She just goes through the whole thing. She knows all the lyrics and everything. Uh, you can do this, right? Uh, some of you guys have all the sports stats down. And you just own that. So let's get God's word in us, 7 through 13, this week. That's what we're going to be looking at here tonight. And it really helps us understand the truth about us, the truth about our identity, whether it is sin in us versus God or not. And so we're going to look here at what Paul has to say. Now, this is encouraging to me. 
I'm glad that Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8 because it tells me something. It tells me the people in Rome were struggling with the same, same things you and I struggle with. You know, Paul did not, when he was writing Romans 8, say, you know, I, I, I'm writing like the best chapter ever right now, so I should get all my theology and all this really good stuff in this one chapter, and then maybe in 2,000 years people will still be talking about it and just write all these random things down. No, he knew what the Romans were struggling with, and he wrote letters to them to help them with those struggles. And he wants to do the same for us here tonight. God wants to use this in our lives. And so Paul writes this in Romans 8, verse 7 and 8. He says this, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And here is what I think has happened to many of us. I think we think that verse is about us. I think we look at that and we say, yeah, man, my sinful mind, it's hostile toward God. I just, it's, it's me and sin versus God. I just can't get out of this. We think, I, can't, I cannot submit to God's law. I can't do what he wants me to do. And I'm controlled by the sinful nature. I just can't please God. Now, like I said earlier, you might not say that out loud. And you might not even theologically, if you're taking a Bible theology test and someone said, hey, does sin control you? You'd be like, no, no, I don't believe it does. But in reality, when we think about those issues in our life and those struggles in our lives, sometimes it just feels like that. And we begin to buy into that truth that it's sin in us versus God. The funny thing is I think 90% of us in this room don't want it to be that way. I think we'd say, I would love to be free if I just believed I actually could be, if I thought that was possible. But I've just been over here teamed up with sin for so long, I don't know if that's possible. Or I've tried so many different things, all the accountability partners, and I've, I've promised never to do it again. I've promised all these things. But I always seem to end up back over there teamed up with sin. Well, I just want to tell you today that if what you believe about, what, uh, about yourself drives how you live, then you need to know the truth. And the truth is, is that it is not sin in you versus God. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is not sin in you versus God. Let's look at the next verse, verse 9. You, however, so Paul's making a distinction here. He's saying, okay, there, there are some people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, and they are struggling with this, and they cannot seem to please God. But look at verse 8. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. You're not controlled by the sinful nature. Here's the good news tonight. It is not sin and us versus God. Actually, it's God and us versus sin. That's the reality for every person in this room that has a relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I have great news for you tonight. You can have a relationship with Jesus. The same thing that saves you saves me. It's just Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And when you get into this relationship with God, he begins to do some pretty amazing things in your life, in my life. And so you can have a relationship with God and realize, wow, it is God and us versus sin. So it's God and you versus the porn struggle in your life. It's God and you versus the anger struggle in your life. It's God and you versus the pride struggle in your life. Just understanding that, realizing that truth, believing that identity about yourself, not because we just should, like I'm not one of these guys, like just tell yourself how good you are and build yourself up. No, apart from God, we are a mess and we're in serious trouble. But the truth about you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, is that God and you are teamed up against sin, not the other way around. Now, this is so important for us to understand. Please catch this. Because all it takes for sin to control your life and my life is for us to believe that sin controls our lives. That's all it takes. My son, 
Kate and I, he's 11, we love to play Madden together. And um, it's a football game uh, on Xbox. And we, we just have a blast doing that. And we always are on the same team, the Green Bay Packers. And we take everybody on. We play the game. And we have a blast. I didn't watch the game. I'm going to watch it later tonight. Don't say anything. I might destroy you. So uh, we play Madden, right? But my son, Landon, who's several years younger than Cade, this is a few years ago now, he would always want to play with us. And so he, you know, the truth was, I hate to say it, but if Landon was playing, we were losing, all right? Simply because the only thing he knew how to do was go up. That's all he knew how to do, right? And so he'd be like, Dad, Dad, I play. And we'd be like, sure, sure. And give him the thing. Okay, you got to wait until he says hike, you know, and all Okay. And just up, 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 right? So we'd be, you know, we'd be on defense. I'm Clay Matthews. I'm ready to crush some bones. I'm on the line. I'm ready. And, uh, and you know, sure enough, before the guy says hike, you know, Landon's going up. Landon's going up. Landon, you have to not go up. You have to wait. Just wait. Even go back. I don't care. Go back. You know, go sideways. Just don't go up. Okay, Dada. Up. You know, it just keeps going. So here's what Kate and I did. We took the batteries out of Landon's remote. Oh, like you wouldn't do the same thing. I'm giving you parental advice right now. This is great stuff. You're going to th- you call me in five years. That was brilliant, Doug. Thank you so much for that, okay? Now, Landon is having the time of his life, and Kate and I are too now because we're winning. We're doing well. And so we're all sitting there playing, and Landon believes with all his heart that his remote is controlling the guy on the screen. And guys, here's what I have to tell you tonight. You and I believe that sin has control over our lives. Can I just tell you something? Sin's controller has no batteries in it. Jesus disarmed sin's power over your life and my life at the cross. He took the batteries out. He disarmed it. It does not have the power it used to have. Now, here's what's so important, though. As long as you and I believe that sin still has power over us, it will have power over us. As long as we believe the batteries are still in there, then it's going to have power over us. Our scheme against Landon worked because he believed that he was controlling the screen. And you know what? Satan's scheme against you and I works as long as we believe that sin has power over us. But I want to encourage you tonight and tell you that sin does not have power over you. We have the capability to sin still, of course, absolutely. We sin every day. But more and more, we can see that we don't have to. Well, how does that work? We're going to continue to see that here. But before we get to that, we have to see a verse that's important, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus. We just got to talk about for a minute because then Paul says this, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now, God is a loving father and he desires you belong to him. Okay, if you walked in here, you're like, Doug, you don't know me, man. I struggle with drugs. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I'm sleeping around with everybody. You don't, God doesn't want me. Yes, he does. His desire is that you belong to him. And when you belong to him, then you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life, the Holy Spirit that wants to do things in you and in me that only the Holy Spirit can do. And then in verse 10, Paul says this, but if Christ is in you, your body's dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. What does this verse mean? Well, it means very simply that our bodies are getting older and they're going to eventually waste away and die. I was reminded of this recently that I'm getting older and looking older. I was out with Joey, our youth pastor. He's 27, I'm 37, and we were out, and we ran into someone who had visited the church and heard me tell some stories about my kids and stuff, and so this lady looks at Joey, looks at me, and goes, is this your son? Like, yeah, if I had him when I was 10. Like, geez, right? Actually, this could work out well. Do got me a Dr. Pepper, son. Uh, But I am apparently wasting away, okay? I'm looking a little bit older here, right? 
I'm old enough to have a 27-year-old, apparently. And so our bodies are wasting away. And because of sin and because of the broken world that we live in, our bodies will one day die. And when that happens, what does this verse say? It says, the Holy Spirit will make us alive because of righteousness. That word just simply means that Jesus made us right with God, okay? So because Jesus made you and I right with God, when we die, the Holy Spirit will bring our bodies to heaven as Jesus returns, right? But it also means so much more than that. It means that here and now in our sin struggles, we should begin to see that the Holy Spirit is making us alive in new ways. That even though our body without Jesus would just be dead and hopeless, the Holy Spirit in us here and now, right now, tonight, should be making a difference in our lives. And then it gets really, really awesome in verse 11. It says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. So here is the scenario. There was a day that Jesus was dead in a tomb. They wrapped him up in grave clothes. They closed a huge stone over the front of the tomb that took several soldiers to put there. And Jesus' body is laying dead, lifeless in that tomb. And then the Holy Spirit raises him back from the dead. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, everything about Christianity hinges on that moment. The only reason any of us are here tonight is because Jesus rose back from the dead. And if you're struggling to believe that, then I would love to talk with you after. I struggled to believe that as well in my life. Take the evidence CD set, the visitor CD. That will help you understand why we could believe something that sounds so unbelievable maybe to you tonight. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus back from the dead. And guys, that's the spirit that lives in you. That's the spirit you're teamed up with. God and you versus sin. That Holy Spirit wants to empower you and me. That Holy Spirit wants to give us strength to do things we just can't do ourselves. There are some powerful things in, in, in existence today. For example, there's an, a boat engine that has 108,000 horsepower. It's stronger than 213 Ferraris put together. There's a computer called the IBM Roadrunner. It can do a million billion calculations per second, and it has the strength of 100,000 MacBook Pros. But you know what? What's in you and me is stronger. The Holy Spirit the one who raised Jesus back from the dead, is alive in you and in me. And what that means is that when you and I die one day, like I said, Jesus, you know, he, he died for our sins, and so the Holy Spirit's gonna raise us to be with our Savior. But also it means that here and now, we should start seeing some of that resurrection life at work in us. We're gonna fall short. We're gonna sin sometimes. But we should begin to see more and more that the Holy Spirit's making a difference in us here and now. A guy named Zane Hodges said, or Zach, yeah, Zane Hodges said this, whenever you see a Christian living the Christian life, you're witnessing a resurrection miracle. So you know what this room is? It's, a, it's full of a bunch of people who are literal miracles. If God's changed you at all, then you're a resurrection miracle. His, his work's already at work in your life. I love this about Christianity. I love that we don't have to wait until we die and Open our eyes on the other side of that to see if all this is true. That's the amazing thing about Christianity. You don't have to wait. You begin to see here and now that Jesus at work in your life, the Holy Spirit at work in your life is the real deal. And that's what you and I should more and more see as we realize, okay, it's God and us versus sin. It's his power in me 
versus sin. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. See, that's what some of you, so many of us walked in the room tonight believing. I have an obligation to live according to my anger, according to my pride, according to my greed, according to my gossip, according to my addiction. I just can't get out. I have an obligation. I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do. And Paul's here saying, no, no, no. See, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. It's not you and sin versus God. It's God and you versus sin. So we have a different obligation. It's to live God's way, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Let me just be real clear. The reason we want to live God's way is not to save ourselves. It's because we've been saved that we want to live God's way. Then he says in verse 13, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. And we talked a lot about this a lot last week, right? That if we live according to the sinful nature, or the sinful nature is that part of us that wants to do the wrong thing, if we live according to the sinful nature, we'll die, yeah, eternally, if we never put our trust in Jesus. But as we saw last week, that also this happens here and now, right? That we start to see areas of our life die when we give in to sin. We talked about this last week when it comes to marriage. If you, you and I give in to sexual impurity, then our intimacy in our marriage dies. If we give in to greed and materialism, contentment dies, right? And so we saw all that. But then he says this. So if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body or the sin in our lives, you will live. So Paul is really calling us out here tonight. He's saying, what area of your life do you need to wage war on? What struggle, what sin issue, what thing that you've just been stuck in like forever here do you need to put to death? It's time to look at those sin areas and say, I'm not going to sit back anymore and just leave that alone. I'm going to get active and I'm going to take the steps I need to take to put this area of my life to death. Now, has Jesus died for that struggle? Yeah. Has he forgiven that struggle? Yeah. If you give into it again, will he forgive you again? Yeah. But he wants more than that for you. He wants freedom from that issue, that struggle in our lives. And so how do we do this? It's God in us versus sin. How do we learn to put those areas of our life to death and find victory and freedom? Well, it's in the verse here. In the verse, it says this. It says, We do it by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so how do we do this? Well, we do this by calling out on the Holy Spirit and saying, God, deliver me, free me. See, here's the reality. For some of us in the room tonight, we're so stuck in certain sin issues that we literally need God to do just a straight-up miracle. Like, we're bringing nothing to the table. You know how I'm saying it's God and us versus sin? It's like, no, it's really just God versus sin because I got nothing. And we need God to to pull us out of a nasty pit we got ourselves stuck in. Some of you guys have heard Pastor Pavone talk about his drug addiction and how God did this for him. How he was literally uh, kicked out of the house by his wife. She changed the locks because he was just always strung out and addicted. He cried out to God and in a moment, God delivered him. God freed him. And that'll happen for some of us. But here's what I think happens more often. I think what happens more often is we start to recognize, okay, it's God in us versus sin. Okay, I'm going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to learn how to moment by moment go through my day cooperating with the Holy Spirit in my life. What does that mean? It just means simply talking to the Holy Spirit. So here I am over here. I'm realizing it's God and me versus sin in my life. And suddenly a a temptation comes up to lust after something. I got to tune into the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me right now. 
Don't just walk blindly toward that. Don't just say, yeah, man, I'm just stuck over here, man. Me and lost, I'm just stuck. No, it's time to tune into the Holy Spirit. It's time to ask for the Holy Spirit's empowerment in that moment. It's time to lean hard on God. You see, if you take God out of that equation and it's just you versus sin, then we're all done. But God in us versus sin is a different story. It's when that anger starts to rise up and we begin to lean on God in that, in that moment. God, Holy Spirit, would you calm me down? Would you give me perspective here? Would you help me not to say or do something that I'm gonna regret? Holy Spirit, help me. That's what it is to, by the Spirit, put those things to death. It's to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And we ask that question, God, why don't you just do that, like, Pastor Provone thing on all of us? Why can't you just free us all? Like, if I'm tempted to be angry and lose my temper, then why can't you just deliver me from that and let me never struggle with that again? Why is there even a temptation? You know why I think? I think it's so that we lean heavily on God. I think it's so that we don't just kind of walk away from God. Like, God, thanks for that thing you did five years ago when you freed me from my temper, but I haven't really tuned in in a while because I'm not really struggling anymore. I think the struggle keeps us near our Savior. The struggle keeps us dependent on the Holy Spirit. This morning before the 9.30 service, I was standing here during the worship, and I felt like I was going to pass out. And it's happened like the last three Sundays in a row. Always, right before the 9.30 service, I'm standing there, and, I'm, and you know, I've, I've struggled with this in the past a little bit. I've been to doctors and haven't really figured much out. But here I am, standing there, feeling like I'm ready to pass out again. And you know what I'm doing in the moment? I'm crying out to God. I'm going, God, if you don't keep me literally standing on my feet right now, I'm not going to be able to do what I have to do in about 15 minutes and get on the stage. And I was thinking about that. And, you know, in that moment, I was relying on Jesus like I wouldn't have been if I wasn't struggling right then and there. That doesn't mean we always want to be sick and not feel good and we don't pray for healing. But what I'm trying to get across here is that if God took away every temptation in our life, we wouldn't lean on the Holy Spirit anymore. We wouldn't walk by the Spirit. And there's gonna be those times he reaches in and swoops in and rips us out of a pit we'll never get ourselves out of. But I think more often his heart is to say, Doug, lean on me. I know you're tempted. I know you struggle with that. I know that's your Achilles heel. Lean on me. Cooperate with me. Come to me in those moments and let me empower you. I think that's God's heart. See, the thing that God wants for you and me more than anything else in the whole world is that we be close to him. He wants that for you and I more than you know, uh, safety and health and provision and blessing. The thing he wants more than anything is that you and I be close to him. He knows that's the best and safest place for us. And so if he's got to leave some temptation in our life so that we'll learn to put to death the sin in our life by his Holy Spirit, by cooperating with him in a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis, then he's being as loving as he can be in our lives. And so what is really Paul saying in all this? Well, we already saw he's saying, okay, it's not us and sin versus God. It's more like God and us versus sin. But I want to even take it a little bit of a step further just to clarify this and make this, all that Paul has said, crystal clear for you. I think the best way to say it, and the thing I want you to take with you today is this thought, that God in us versus sin equals victory. God in us. See, see, God in us sounds good, but that's not even really the way it is. It's God in us. Like God in us sounds like two separate entities sort of working together. But no, it's God in us. The most powerful thing in all existence in us. Versus sin equals victory. So here's what I need you to do. I need, to, I need you to fill in the, the, the blank over here where it says sin. 
I want you to pretend there's a blank there and I want you to put your word in there. God in you versus pornography equals victory. God in you versus anger equals victory. God in you versus gossip equals victory. God in you versus greed or materialism equals victory. There's nothing in your life from my life that's more powerful than what's in you, the Holy Spirit. And when you and I begin to realize that moment by moment, okay, I'm gonna tune in. So tonight you leave here and on your way out, some guy cuts you off and you struggle with that. You usually freak out. You'll chase the guy, you'll honk the horn. Don't nudge anybody next to you. I see some spouses like, you hear that, honey? If that's you, it's time to tune in to the Holy Spirit. I, I'm pretty much guarantee you the Holy Spirit is not gonna magically make, make sure that no one ever cuts you off again. I don't think he's gonna deliver you in that way, okay? I think he wants you to learn how to communicate with him in the moment and, and, and you're ready to scream and hit the horn. And, All right, Holy Spirit, I'm about to freak out right now. Would you help me to have the self-control that you wanna produce in my life? You head home tonight a little bit later and man, you're thinking about some image you saw, you saw on a screen and in the, in the moment it seems like that would satisfy you so much. And you go, all right, Holy Spirit, I know what I would normally do right now, but I gotta just cry out to you and ask you to empower me to do a different thing. I promise you the Holy Spirit is not gonna lead you to go click on a site you shouldn't be looking at. He's gonna empower you. He's gonna give you the strength that you need. That's the desire of his heart is that you and I learn to lean on him moment by moment, day by day. And so what do you need to fill in there for that word sin? Because God in you versus that thing is victory. That's his heart for you. It's freedom. That's his desire for you. I just think we gotta look at the sin in our lives and say it's stolen too much from us. It's taken too much. Sin is not our friend. Sin is not our buddy. We are not on sin's team. It always steals back from us more than we ever wanted to give. And so as you cry out to God, as you learn to cooperate with the Spirit, one of two things is gonna happen. Either he's gonna free you, Pastor Bravone style, and, and, and pull you out of a pit you'd never have gotten yourself out of. Or moment by moment, day by day, you're gonna see his empowerment. As World War II was growing to a close, there was a prisoner of war camp with a bunch of soldiers. Many of them were Americans. And they were beat up emotionally, physically. They were in awful condition. And they had just been through basically hell on earth. And they're sitting in this prisoner of war camp. And one day, the army rangers come into the camp and they start going around to the prisons and freeing, trying to free the prisoners. And the American soldiers that were there had been there so long and had been through so much that they honestly couldn't fathom that this was reality. And they started to, to wonder, is this a trick? Is this a trap? Are these soldiers going to try to get us out here and then kill us? Like, what's going on? And eventually, the American soldiers were getting a little bit tired of this. They're trying to rescue these guys here. And this one soldier went up to one of the prisoners and said, what is wrong with you? Don't you want to be free? And I guess tonight, in the middle of that story, I want to pause for a second and just ask you that question. Don't you want to be free? You've been in a prison of some kind of struggle for so long, and you're sitting there going, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know if I can get out of this. I don't know if this is some kind of trick. I don't know if God's going to mess with me here. But my question for you, number one question, don't you want to be free? The prisoner in the cell kind of like woke up and realized what was going on, and he followed the, the soldier out. And all these prisoners of war come together and they're, they're walking away from this prison that had been their home for years. And one of the prisoners made this statement about what was going on. He said this, it was a long, slow, steady march, but this was a life march, a march of freedom. It was a long, slow, 
steady march, but it was a life march, a life march of freedom. And I think, guys, that more often than not, this is what it looks like to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a long, slow, steady march, but it's a life march. It's a life of, it's a, it's a march of freedom. It's, it's a, a way for us to move forward. And sometimes it takes longer than we wish, doesn't it? And sometimes we, we stumble a little more. I mean, you think about these soldiers, they probably had to hike, you know, over mountains and they probably, probably had to, you know, walk through rivers. And I mean, just imagine here they are in this battle for their freedom and, and they've, they've been freed because the soldiers are there. The American soldiers are there. Nobody's going to take them back but they still have to cooperate and walk forward and move forward toward their freedom. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit has for us. Jesus disarmed sin's power at the cross. There's no more batteries in the remote control, but now we are still not face-to-face with our Savior. And so we gotta walk this long, slow, steady march toward freedom, cooperating with the Holy Spirit in our lives. His desire for you is that you don't be a slave to any sin. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there is no sin that even can enslave you. That's what we have to see tonight. It's God in you versus that sin equaling victory. And so what are you struggling with tonight? What do you need to bring to your Savior and say, here it is, here is my big thing. I'm finally ready to wage war against this thing. I'm finally ready to put to death this thing that I've been trapped in for so long. Holy Spirit, help me. Either rip me out of the pit or teach me how to rely on you moment by moment and day by day and look to you when I start to feel tempted and when I start to struggle. God's gonna free you one way or the other. And so what is it? What do you need to put in there so that you can begin this march of life and freedom? If you're not a follower of Jesus, his heart is that you belong to him. His heart is that he put his Holy Spirit in your life, that he began to make a difference in you in ways that you could never make a difference yourself. And so if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus tonight, I'm gonna lead you in prayer in just a minute. But for every single one of us, the truth is as we look to our Savior, God in us versus sin equals victory. Let's pray. So Lord, we're just so humbled that you desire God to partner with us in this, and do all the heavy lifting. God, it's your heart that we just look to you, that we cooperate with you, that we tune in, that we, we stay plugged in and connected to you, that we lean on you and rely on you. And God, I just pray, Lord, for the people in this room that need for you to reach down into their pit and rip them out, would you do that, God? And for the rest of us, would you give us the grace and the strength to lean on you and to cooperate with your Holy Spirit, to walk by the Spirit day in, day out and stop leaning back on our own strength. I pray no one will leave this room tonight feeling condemned. I pray no one will leave this room tonight feeling guilty, but I pray instead for hope and that we'll leave feeling cleansed and washed and excited about new freedom. I pray that you'll just break every prison around every single one of us, God, and that more and more we will see those victories in our lives. Thank you that the most powerful thing in all existence is living in us. The same power that conquered the grave lives in us. And so God, would you empower us to live lives of victory? And would you pick us back up when we sometimes stumble and fall? And would you give us grace to keep going? 
If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to put your trust in him today, then I would encourage you to pray something like this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Please show me how real you are. Will you show me the truth about who I am now as your son or daughter? Would you forgive me and save me? And I thank you so much for this gift of life that I could never earn myself. God, show me that sin's power in my life is broken and help me to live a life of victory. In your name I pray.